Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant. Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of Two Drunk Accountants, Tim. Number four, that's your favorite number, Dan. It's not at all, but that's cool. We'll get there one day. <laughs> what? To your favorite number. <laughs> That'll be another quiz for another day. Uh, I can't believe it's number four. It just feels like an hour ago we were, we were saying this about number three. Ah, I know. Flashbacks. Memories. Memories. Montage. Yeah, geez. All right, so this is the long-awaited episode on trusts. Trusts. Something that Dan and I don't have a lot of. In each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this episode uh, concludes our series on entity structures uh, and which one might be the right one for you. And we're going to be talking about trusts. I think, you know, trust is a very complex mm. and difficult subject to, uh, to explain in, you know, 20 minutes. There's so many different types of trusts. Yeah, so I think maybe... We'll focus on the main types. Yeah, I think today our strategy would just be giving a brief overview of what actually is a trust on, on a basic level. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the, you know, the three or so main types of trusts uh, that we come across and, and that you'll be dealing with mostly running a small business. But before we get into that, as always, Tim... What's the Tim and Dan low? The Tim and Dan low. Tim and Dan low. <laughs> I have to confront you about something. Go for it. So there's a PowerPoint plugging into the wall by my desk. Okay. Confront me. So <laughs> um, it's not plugging into anything in my computer. I'm thinking you have something to do with this. It looks like it's meant mm. to go on the, the back of one of my screens, which yeah. are all working completely fine. I just want to say... <laughs> The first thing is, it's funny that you thought I did it. <laughs> and then I'm ashamed of myself for not doing it. I mean, this is genius. <laughs> I was just standing there looking at it, still thinking, where the hell did that cord come from? Like, not, not only is it just a random cord not plugged into anything, which is going to drive you nuts, because uh, I know you and that kind of thing would just make you insane, but it's taking up valuable power board space. It really is. We all need extra space in our power boards. I've been working around that bloody three-pronged thing in, in the wall <laughs> for so long that I realized it goes nowhere. I tracked it the other day. It's not plugging into anything. Is, is it, just seeing the look on my face. Is it still unplugged? Yeah, it's on the ground right there. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. <clears throat> I wish I... I'm going to do that to more people, I think. That's funny. <laughs> oh, so you did do it? No, I didn't do it. Oh. But I... Maybe I did it. You wish. You wish you did it. Yeah. That's my uh that's your download. download What's your back? Uh, my week. I've I've yeah, I've been been doing the usual working. Uh I've recently started personal training again after a while of, of being off. I, f- for those who know me, I, I had a debilitating foot injury. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> that was just <laughs> undiagnosable for a long time. I had all the experts looking at it. Uh, uh, eventually, what's happened is I've I've, I've gone to a, a specialist that um, called a podiatrist. A specialist that uh, was able to design this special 
special uh, foot um, apparatus that can then you know sit in between my shoe and my foot that I just uh, readjust where the bones go on my foot as I'm walking wow. and, and running. So those orthotics do sound real technical. Yeah, no, there's, it's not that, Tim. It's, it's oh. very complicated. You wouldn't get it. It's oh, complicated. Right. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so, but now that I've got that, uh, my feet are starting to feel better already. Um, not my feet, my foot. Uh, I've noticed actually the difference this week, Dan, you've been in a lot better mood. Yeah. If you want (laughs) to, if am I in a bad mood normally? (laughs) No, I can tell you in a bad mood when you eat a couple extra chocolates. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's not wrong. I'm not going to lie. I don't lie to our listeners. I do keep the Tim Tams away from Dan. It's dangerous, <laughs> dangerous territory. Yeah, Tim Tams are crack. Let's be honest. But <laughs> what what happens uh, now is that um, just to give a, a, a better explanation, the uh, second bone across, sorry, the first bone that attaches to the, I guess you call it the thumb toe, uh, <laughs> is is shorter than the same one on funny. the other foot, which causes the second one along to push up into my Liz Frank joint ah. and create pressure strain. And pain. So, really, what Dan's trying to say there is he has freak feet. Mm. They're hairy, large. Yeah, I mean, and it, if you sat them next to each other, you wouldn't think they would belong to the same body. No, if if you've seen Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, you know, Hobbit's feet. That's essentially what I've got, but one of them slightly different to the other one. I think, Dan. We should post a picture of your feet on the Facebook page <laughs> the day what, after this podcast Matt, comes out. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if if we get oh, yeah, 100 challenge. likes on our Facebook page... Ooh, you know, there's only 70 more. Yeah, if we get 100 likes on our Facebook page after the airing of this episode, uh, I will display a picture of my feet. Oh, brilliant. Uh, you have just set me a challenge and I have accepted that challenge, Dan. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait for this go for it uh so i guess we should move on to business, business updates do you have a business update this week yeah i do actually or just a topic of interest mm. um it's about franchises wtf franchises what's going on with mark Marin? what <laughs> i know he's a <laughs> podcast dude but like what <laughs> Yeah, his his podcast is called oh, WTF with, right. with Mark Marin. Yeah, maybe if you listen to the medium that we're presenting in, Tim, you might understand. Turn it up. All right, so yeah, WTF franchises, uh, what's going on? Yeah, so news came out uh, recently that a Porto and Red Rooster, some of the finest fast food restaurants to ever established, yeah. <laughs> are actually uh, heading for trouble. Heading for trouble? Yeah. I did see this headline. Uh, I didn't get a chance to read the article. Tell me more. Yeah, so um, it's something to do with the franchisor. Mm. It, it may have changed hands. Mm. And, uh, and and when it did, um, the fees increased exorbitantly. So um, so, so the, the franchisees, uh, some, some of Porto stores and Red Rooster stores are saying they, they can buy a box of water. Mm. Uh, to sell to their customers for ten dollars in yep. Coles or Woolies. Yeah. Um, yet they're being made to purchase them off the franchisor for eighteen dollars. Yeah. See, and this is something that we've definitely seen. Uh, you know, we have clients who are franchises of various different types of uh, of establishments. You know, you got fast food restaurants. You've got many things. Uh, and definitely you do see that 
they charge a huge fee to begin with just to become one of those franchises. A massive fee. Like With that, you get some support, you get some marketing materials, the use of their licenses, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but then you do, ha- more often than not, have to buy all of your supplies and all of your uh, stock and whatever it is that you're selling through them. And they charge even higher prices again. Yeah, and, and the worst thing to me is that um, the franchise all basically writes the agreement. Mm. So they make the rules. And you have to purchase that franchise. Mm. But I'm sure written into every single franchise agreement ever created was um was a line saying if you break our franchise rules we reserve the right to um take our franchise back off you and yeah, yeah. there's probably many ways they can think of to uh enforce that you're breaking the rules for example if you're buying water from coles rather than off the franchise or <laughs> yeah and, and- uh, so that's that's the thing that gets me because i'm just reading an article here yep that says um apparently um, stores that are on the verge of bankruptcy, Red Rooster and Oporto, are being gagged like by the franchisor. I mean, told to like, don't go to the media, don't speak. And so, and in an age where people value something different and they value uniqueness, they value an experience. Exactly. Uh, people want you know. You, in our last episode, yeah. In, a, in, a, in our last episode, you were talking about how much you enjoy craft beer. Uh, exactly it, it's, it's a perfect example that people don't necessarily want to go to a porto or red rooster they, they want to go to you know a, a, a boutique cafe that sells something interesting uh so it is um and don't get me wrong there's always a demand for fast food we all definitely go i believe tim went to a porto just yesterday uh, yeah delicious <laughs> yeah so it, it is you know the demand's definitely there, but they're not making it easier on on the franchises to um, to succeed in a tough market. Yeah, I mean, let's list off list off uh, some other franchises which have entered uh, big problems recently. Mm-hmm. We've got Donut King. Yep, Brumbies. Brumbies, big bakery. Yeah, used to be. Used to be. Gloria Jeans. Yep. Pizza Capers. Pizza Capers. Crust Gourmet Pizzas. Uh, And Michelle's Patisserie. Where am I going to buy my damn birthday cakes from? Listen, folks. If we don't support pizza (laughs) joints, they're going to go. And who's going to be sorry then? I'll tell you who. Uh, Everyone. Yeah, I don't know. It's just such a strange thing to me. And you could see it with Gloria Jeans. Yeah. I've been saying that for years. Look at their brand. It hasn't changed. Their stores are all run down. Their stores look identical to what, to what they did 10 yeah. years ago. When that brand came out, that was an exciting, um, cool place to be. You know, you'd stand in line, make your order. It was different because they call out your name and you go pick it up at the counter. Like that's, that was their model, Gloria Jeans. And like they have different sizes of coffees. They've got their own coffee beans. Yeah. And yeah, it was, but, but it hasn't changed. Not once. Nothing's changed. They, they didn't, they haven't, you know, they haven't viewed the market around them. They haven't ex- viewed the external uh, things that are happening around them and, and adapted. And I guess the franchisor just was happy getting their fees. And hmm. So with Gloria Jeans, that was actually, that was sold to RFG Group, which buys franchises. 
And RFG Group is the one that owned all of those franchises that I just talked about. Really? Yes. So I'm assuming they're going down. They're all, they're, they're all yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. that's investors' money, probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically, apparently. Um, so exactly they, right. Yeah. They, they buy the franchise. They didn't change the business model. They wanted the they money. They probably too. increased the franchise fees. They probably made money off the stock that they were selling to the franchisees. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, not a great time to be in a franchise, perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. You never know. As we said, there is always a demand for Definitely. these products. and Well, they're all brands that we know and love as well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, hopefully, hopefully there is uh, some change of heart and some change of model uh, that will mean that these franchises are able to continue and people stay employed and people still have their businesses. Exactly. Exactly. So... So yeah, that's a bit of a business update. It's an yeah, interesting that's one. A good one. And that, that that people who own franchises are small business owners. Yeah, exactly. So um so yeah, it's a really interesting one, I think. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, I think we should definitely keep an eye on that and come back to it in a later week. Yeah, for sure, because there's stuff happening even with um Caltex. Yep, yeah, I have heard um, about that. And yeah, if you go back a few years, there's so many that have closed closed up shop like the reject shop, did that? That. They're still around. Um, did you see even um, that Coles is up for sale as I well? I did not see that's that. That's not a franchise, but still, I guess... That's big That's big news. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to ditch it. It's not profitable enough. West Farmers getting rid of Coles. Yep. That's huge. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting times. Interesting mm. times in that area. Okay. Well, uh, now, as always, following the business update, let's move on to our main topic, the third installment of... What entity should you trust? Damn it. What entity? It's <laughs> the second time I've done that. What entity should you trade out of? I got ahead of myself. Uh, this week, oh. trusts. <laughs> Tim will no longer trust me to do the intro to this segment. Uh, yeah. So, trusts. This is a really tough question, Dan. Yeah. What is a trust? <laughs> and it, it, it is... And because... It's such a an odd entity. It, it is something difficult to explain to everybody. And I'll do my best right now. And if I mess it up, then we'll just have another go at yeah, it. Yeah, so, no, honestly, this is really tough. When someone asks me what a trust is, yeah. it's hard to give a firm answer on this. Yeah. But while you give your answer, I'm going to look up an internet definition just so that we can compare the two. Okay. All but right. yeah, let's no, it doesn't pair. matter. It doesn't matter if yeah. you compare the pair. Yeah, let's compare the pair. <laughs> the new segment on yeah. uh, <laughs> two drunk folk accountants. Yeah. So a trust is an entity or not even really an entity. There's an entity behind the trust, but it is essentially an agreement, I guess, of uh, come together by the trustees who can legally control the assets owned by that trust. And they hold things, items, businesses, assets in trust for the beneficiaries to benefit from. Nailed it, Dan. Nailed it. Nailed it. That was very impressive. Yeah. So the, uh, the short answer I have here is um, a trust is a legal entity that acts as a fiduciary agent or trustee on behalf of a person or business entity for the purpose of administration, management, and the eventual transfer of assets assets to a beneficial party. 
That's pretty much what you said there. Yeah, it, but without using all the words that are just going to put people to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah so a trust, uh, and this is a good way to remember what a trust is. Yes. The name trust. Yeah. So it's something in trust. In trust. Entrusted. For a person or a group of people to benefit from. Right? They are known as beneficiaries, beneficiaries. Of, those, of that trust. And the trustee is the person responsible for managing. For managing and making sure the beneficiaries benefit. Correct. From the items that are in trust. Yes. So nice. the reason this can get so complicated is because there's different types of trust. There's lots of different rules regarding trust. There's lots of different ways that you get money. There's different ways that uh, certain beneficiaries can get certain distributions when other beneficiaries get different distributions of different types of income. Uh, it can get very complicated very quickly. I'm going to list some trusts here. List. Go ahead. Just, just to back that up. Fixed trusts, unit trusts, discretionary trusts, bear trusts, hybrid trusts, testamentary trusts, charitable trusts, superannuation trusts. Mm-hmm. That is just a few. That's just a few. We, got, we recently received a free book from one of our suppliers of legal documents, which is called, excitingly, it sounds like a very exciting book, 50 types of trusts. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not going to go through 50 here because really this is a small business podcast and there's maybe two of these you need to know about. Exactly. Uh, Which are those then? Uh, discretionary. Yep. And unit yeah, trusts. Definitely. They're the common ones. They're the common ones. They're the two that we're mostly going to be dealing with today, I'd imagine. Uh, they're the ones that would apply to most of the small businesses out there. Uh, and there's, and even within those, there's different ways of structuring them. And yeah. Even they can get complicated when you really get into the nitty gritty of it. Uh, and if you do want more advice, if you want something more specific to you, because trusts can be very specific, uh, please get, get in contact with your financial advisor, your accountant, us, whoever. Probably us. Yeah. Probably yeah. us. I'd yeah. say get in contact with us. <laughs> At Two Drunk Podcasts on Twitter for something more personal. Go to Facebook. Facebook, you'll find a picture of Dan's feet. Um, So, yeah. um, Okay. For a small business owner, they want to know, how is a trust taxed? Yeah. All right. So, probably the easiest way to think of it, and this isn't the case for every situation, but essentially, the trust distributes income a similar way to what a partnership does to its beneficiaries, and then those beneficiaries pay tax at their individual tax rates or their corporate tax rates if they're a company. Perfect. Yeah, so trusts generally don't pay tax. Yeah, there are some circumstances where trusts do pay tax, but yeah. we won't get into those today because it's, it's not usually going to apply. Irrelevant. Yeah. It's usually because of a mistake or non-compliance. Yeah, so. or, or a deceased estate. Correct, true. Yeah. So, um, so that is a big difference between companies and a trust. Correct. Because trusts distribute their income in the year that it's earned. That's right. Whereas a company has the ability to retain that income yes. for later years. Um, so something that often tricks small business owners who are operating in a trust, um, you're not taxed on the amount of cash that you take from the trust. You're actually taxed on the profit of the trust. That is distributed to you. Yeah. And so at the end of the year, you have to make a decision on how the profit's going to be distributed. And in a discretionary trust, 
you can actually choose who you're going to distribute profit to out of the, the list of beneficiaries, which is often very wide. Like it's spouses, yeah, children, th- cousins, There's a couple of tiers uh, I've read. Uh, you know, you, you start off with the listed beneficiaries and then there's their immediate family mm. and then there's those people's immediate family. Yeah. So yeah, it does. it is a wide net. Yeah. Um, for people who can have income distributed to them. Yeah, so um, so that's really the beauty of a trust because you can legally split income. Uh, for example, if you have a family, um, husband, wife, couple of kids over 18, studying low income, that's the, like, the classic scenario of a trust um, saving you a lot of tax because legally you can say from my business profit of $50,000, I choose to put half of it in my name, half uh, a third of it in my wife, and then split the rest between the kids. The kids aren't going to pay any tax, um, so yeah. it's much more effective than yeah. than having it all in your name, say, as a sole trader, yes. or paying it all to yourself as a wage from a company, yeah. or having defined uh, distributions from a partnership. True, exactly. Which you can only distribute to the actual partners of that partnership. Mm. Uh, so that that's how it differs from those other entities and i do have two points to make on that and that's the atos and the government's uh quest i guess to limit how and where you can distribute some of the income that comes from a trust so the first is children yeah uh if if they're a minor if they're under the age of 18 uh, and you distribute some income from your trust uh to them there's a cap on how much they can actually earn before it gets taxed uh, at a much, much higher rate that's not going to be any benefit to anyone. And that cap is like $416. Yeah, it's, so it's not it's, much. It's not much. It's, it's, you know, it's not much at all. So uh, the other side of this... So if you're going to distribute to the children, they have to be 18, 18 or, older. or older. Yeah. Uh, the other side of this is that uh, there has been talk uh, about stopping the ability to distribute from a discretionary trust to anyone. I don't know if you've heard this, Tim. Yeah, Bill. Correct. Uh, Tim Means, the Labor Party, have said that they'd like to make a policy if they get elected, which may never happen and they may not ever do this policy. So it's not something to consider too much. But just keep in mind, if this does change, uh, then the ability to distribute to whoever you please in a discretionary trust uh, may be limited. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens there, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I don't a lot think of talk. it'll probably ever happen. There's a lot of talk and yeah. I, I don't, don't know how they would actually enforce it. Exactly. So I think the best way to convey what's what we've spoken about so far is to give an example. So let's say that Tim has decided to start a business and the way that he's decided to structure his business is in a trust. So Tim trades just as he normally would in any entity for the year uh, he's calculated his profit uh, the same way he would in any other business during the year. One million dollars. He's earned a million dollars profit, right? Mm. He's he's making a. He's not doing this podcast anymore. He's he's off in a yacht somewhere. Uh, that, this is my business. The two drunk accountants. Oh, right. Yeah. I thought that was Al. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, sorry. Don't yeah. say my. Anyway, so uh, Tim's earned a million dollars profit. He's in a discretionary trust, so. That trust, or the trustee of that trust, who we'll get a bit more into that in a second, uh, has at its discretion to who it's going to distribute that profit to. 
Yeah, so and it can choose. Yeah. It can choose. So, so let's let's assume that there's no capital gains profit. There's no uh, nothing like that. Simple. That it's a simple income. Yeah. So Tim says, right. Well, I haven't taken a wage from anything during the year. Uh, I'm going to distribute a hundred thousand dollars to myself, a hundred thousand dollars to my wife, a hundred thousand dollars to my brother, a hundred thousand dollars to my dad. $500,000 between a couple of kids that are over 18 and a few other people. That's immediate family. Yeah. He and is completely legally allowed yeah. to do that. You would save in that scenario, Dan, hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax. You would. The reason being is because if you put a million dollars into your name personally, well, suddenly you're paying close to 50% yeah. in tax above $180,000 Yeah, all the way up to a million, which is a lot. Whereas yeah. everyone else... Gets twenty thousand dollars for free. They climb the ladder at the same pace you yeah. do until you get to that. Exactly, bar, so. exactly. Yeah. And, and as Tim has mentioned, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, and um, that you'd save in that scenario. What's the drawback of that, Dan? There is one very big, big drawback of distributing income to people. You have to pay it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't necessarily. You don't have to, but they could come back to you. Yeah, and request those funds yeah so as we've gotten into in an in the company's uh in the company's podcast we did uh about division 7a and stopping loans and things from directors uh, a similar kind of uh rule is in trusts yeah essentially there's if there's an unpaid present entitlement to pay somebody that amount and they turn around and say, hey, I've declared in my tax return every year $100,000 from you and it's sitting there in your balance sheet that you owe me $400,000. Well, legally, you could be required to pay that. Yeah, absolutely. When I was at uni, there was a story by the lecturer um, who worked at a large firm in Western Australia Mm. for one of their clients was a doctor Mm -hmm. and he'd been distributing income to his son for years. Anyway, one day the son turns up and demands a check for $200,000. Yeah. Um, he clued on that his dad had been doing this yep. and realized that he could actually request the money. Yeah. And legally, yeah, had he, they it. had to give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that is the big danger. You do have to trust um, the people you're distributing your income mm-hmm. to. I mean, yes, moral of the story. It, it makes sense to distribute to your partner, your husband, your wife, um, or to other immediate family members like your, your kids who are over 18 because they're not going to come have, grab the money from you yeah. in most cases. You have trust. Yeah, you have trust. Upon there. <laughs> There's a bit of trust when it comes to trust. <laughs> but like, I guess, um, yeah, on the, on the flip side of the coin as well, if you're paying for their expenses, say, for example, um, a, a son or daughter who's studying, mm-hmm. you're paying for their living away from home costs, which would have been amazing if that happened for me. But yep. yeah, so at the same time, they're not earning any income. So why not distribute some income into their name? Well, you can reduce the amount of the unpaid present entitlement. Mm-hmm. AKA like the trust distribution minus the funds that have actually been paid to them. Yeah. You can reduce that because you've been paying for costs for them. Yeah. So, so that's pretty cool. I think yeah. it's not tax deductible to pay for those costs, no. but, but 
But it's a drawing um, from the trust. That's a distribution. That's that's yeah. the beneficiary benefiting from the trust funds. Correct. Yeah. So that is all. That's a good scenario. I yeah. think that works well. And this is that goes to what we were talking about earlier about how a trust is very different from a company, but is similar in some aspects to a partnership or a sole trader because you can draw from the business's funds, and you're not taxed on that. You're taxed on what the distribution of profit is to you. Yeah, but there exactly. is a balance that is kept, unlike, you know, you're not going to be chasing yourself in a sole trader for an unpaid balance. But in a trust, if you've taken more than what is distributed to you, well, technically you owe that trust money. Yeah, and at the moment, like, there's no, that's, there's no issue with that. No issue so, with that, but that's just a, an idea of actually how that account works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And hopefully the, the rules never change around that. Yeah, that hopefully. would be a nightmare, I think. That would be a nightmare. So, uh, yeah, so that, I mean, like, pro... Like, just to recap what we've discussed so far, because we've covered a fair bit of ground. Trust, it's an age-old entity. It acts on behalf of people. Um, and it not, it's not like, it doesn't own assets. It, it's like a, a shell, which carries them for the benefit of others. Correct. Um, it distributes all of its income in the year that it earns it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very effective, effective tax planning tool. Yes. Downside of that... Wasn't that your name in uni? Effective tax planning tool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would have worn that proudly. (laughs) That was on the back of my year 12 jumper. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Go on. That's just brought so many like um, daddy jokes to mind as Mm. well. (laughs) Yes, it does. That's that's what you were getting at. Uh, We'll get there on another episode. Um, So... Yeah, the con being that, yeah, you actually had to, could have to pay the cash out to who you're distributing income to. Um, but that's a big difference in the company as well. A company can um, retain its profit, whereas a trust has to and should yeah. distribute its income in that year. So yeah. there can be some tax advantages to a company over a trust mm-hmm. and vice versa. It just depends on your scenario. So there is no better or worse. Yeah. It's all about context. Yeah. So we've we we've covered a little bit of trusts, uh, sorry, a discretionary trust. I think maybe what we should do is give a brief overview of what a unit trust is, and then maybe have a conversation about trustees. Yeah, I think that yeah, we'll leave the trustees for last because yeah. we haven't covered um, legal protection. Legal protection. Yeah. And so that's a big thing about companies versus sole traders. So yeah. So if, um, unit trusts. Well, um, very similar to a discretionary trust, although. They are fixed in nature based on the units which have been issued to unit holders. Correct. So the way this might work is similar to, say, shares. Yeah. It's very similar to shares in a company. Um, If you hold units, it's like, I guess you could imagine it's like holding shares in a company. So you're an owner um, of that of that entity. Yeah. By holding units, you are entitled to a fixed proportion of the profit or other income uh, that the trust has for that year. Yeah. So let's say Dan and I held five units each in the two drunk accountants unit trust. Then uh, when it came to splitting the profit at the end of the year, we would take a share according to the amount of units that we each held. 50-50 in our case. If I held six and Dan held four, then it'd be 60-40. And so on and so forth. Yeah, and and the reason why this might be something that's attractive because I'm sure all of our more uh, astute 
uh, listeners are probably thinking, well, what's the difference between why, this and a partnership? Yeah, why, why would I do that? And why would you ever have a fixed trust uh, over a discretionary trust? Exactly. The reason is, is because it makes it very easy if you plan to say, add more people into your business. That's it. So, if you plan to sell your business. So true. So true. So if you're growing your business and you want, say, a future staff member or future um, child or just a, just someone else to become a partner with you in that business, you'd be looking at a unit trust as opposed to a discretionary trust to hold yeah. the business, to hold that element of the business in. because. Yep you can easily sell the units. Whereas a discretionary trust is floating. Exactly. Uh, it's a bit harder to, to hard buy to an interest in yeah. that. It's hard to define the owners of a trust because essentially the, the legal owners actually is the trustee uh, of the of, yeah. of the items that are being they're held the for the benefit the of other people. Yeah, Exactly, because they're in control of it. Exactly. So a unit trust is handy because you do have a set uh, defined amount or proportion of uh, what can be considered yours as a distribution from that trust. Whereas, uh, and, and then at any point you can, yeah, if you want to bring someone else in, sell half the units to them. If you're going to have two more people, you split it up whichever way you need to. And that's that's a consideration between you and doesn't really have anything to do with the, the trust. Yeah. So it's good for investment. And like, I guess you might be asking yourself, well, why would I use a unit trust instead of a company? Again, so well, what many people do, and this is something uh, which I'm sure the government has looked at as well, but we've seen many entities that there is a business held by many partners and say, so, you know, four partners and each of them hold five units each in this unit trust that distributes the income uh, equally amongst those unit holders. Uh, well, then each of those unit holders might have a discretionary trust that owns the units in that business. Yeah, so pretty pretty big entity matrix there, right? Yeah. 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 And then you, you get all the benefits of the unit trust and all the benefits of the discretionary trust. And one thing which we haven't covered yet, which we will after we talk about trustees, is capital, ga- capital gains tax concessions. Yes. Available to trusts. Yeah. So that is the big difference, I think, companies uh, versus unit trusts. Yep, that you can still access CGT discounts. Yep, and and there's rules comes with around, a raft of other <laughs> rules, yeah. but yeah. there's rules around streaming certain incomes. You you can have it that some particular beneficiaries only receive capital receipts, capital income. True. Uh, or is that a hybrid? Is that a hybrid? Uh, I think you can do that in a discretionary. Yeah. I think there are. You can set specific yeah. rules for specific yeah. people around what income they receive, what type yeah. of income, yeah. uh, as well as um, franking credits, I believe that you can yeah. Yeah. stream those to certain people. Yeah, and dividends. Yeah, and dividends. So yeah, it is it's cool. There is lots you can do. Uh, it it but, definitely steps you up a notch in terms of tax planning. Exactly. Trust. Yeah, yes. It gives you many, many, many more options yeah. depending on your scenario. So, Tim, We've mentioned this word a lot of times, but who and what and why is the trustee? Yeah. Well, I guess I think we should take a step back in time to understand what the trustee is and why it exists. Go for it. So the trustee uh, was, if you imagine back in the, uh, I don't know, a thousand years ago, Dan. Mm. I don't know how long trusts have been around for, but let's say a couple hundred years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's a family farm, right? Um, mom and dad 
have actually set up in their will that the farm is to be passed on to their children mm-hmm. when they become of legal age. Yep. Which, depending on where you are or, um, or what the rules were at that time, you know, it could be 18 years old, right? Mm-hmm. You used to have kids a lot younger age back then. So, uh, and also die earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So, um, the trustee was a person that mum and dad trusted to actually control the assets of the trust whatever was going in there, say the family farm, for the benefit of the beneficiaries. They couldn't actually get their hands on those assets. It's a little bit like, um, um, is it Lemony Snickets? Mm-hmm. A series of unfortunate events? Yeah. A little bit like that. So they couldn't um, count, oh, what's his name? Count uh, 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 Olaf. 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 Oh, yeah, I think that's yeah. right. Yeah, so you can't get a Count Olaf situation. Yeah. Where the trustee, the person they trusted when they were about, you know, when they set their will, when they were mm-hmm. alive, after they've died, um, the person who's been given the trust to, to look after things um, is going to do a proper and respectful job until the kids are old enough to take control of it themselves. Mm-hmm. That's the idea of the trustee. Right. So, essentially, what you've told me is that a trustee is somebody that the beneficiaries or the settler or whoever gives the right to that trustee trusts to manage those assets for the benefit of a certain group of people, the beneficiaries. Exactly. They're the person that presides over it, controls it, makes all of the decisions, but it doesn't mean that they own it. Okay. They don't own it. in, In a way, they're very similar to the directors? Very similar to the directors because they're like... Um, the person in control. Yeah. Whereas... But there's a separation the, between ownership... And the beneficiaries. The, not ownership, the but the, yeah, the, the, the person who gets the benefit of those assets and the controllers of those assets. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, and that's why the trust exists. Like, yeah. That scenario, which I pain, like tried to explain, um, but that, that is basically why that, why that exists. So, two questions. One, can the beneficiaries be the trustee? And two... Does the trustee have to be an individual? Can it be more than one? Good question. Or can it be a company? The beneficiary can be the trustee. Yes. They can be one and the same thing. Um, I guess, yeah, that, that does sound a bit strange. But, I mean, if you put it in the scenario where the kids are over 18 and, and uh, you actually trust one of the kids more than the others to do the right thing... <laughs> I'm um, talking to you, Chris, my brother. <laughs> Not we all trust Chris more. <laughs> yeah. Um, that yeah. Um, they can also be a beneficiary. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of your second question, no, they don't always have to be an individual. Um, often, what? yeah. Oftentimes, they can be multiple people as trustee, so multiple people in control. Yep. Um. And what we'd recommend if, if we had a small business client coming in looking to set up a trust is that the trustee would actually be a company. Yeah, and so the company would be owned, you know, the shareholders would be the beneficiaries, the people who've set up this business in the first place. Uh, the director would also be the same people uh, who then control that company and that company then controls that trust Yes. whose benefits then stream down through to those individuals. So... Why would you do that? Yeah, the the reason and the main reason 
is one of the biggest benefits of owning a company, and that's legal separation. Yep. Uh, what we spoke about last week, where there's a separation between you and the entity that potentially could go bankrupt or potentially could uh, be sued or have other liabilities that then could flow back onto you. Uh, the company as the trustee gives you that same protection. So that's why we'd recommend it. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other thing, there's a couple more positions which we'll just briefly note here, mm-hmm. give a concept of. Yep. Um, so the settler. Yes, the settler. That's an important one. Can the trustee be the settler? No. Yes, correct. No, they cannot. Why is that, Tim? Well, I think the settler is the independent third party. Yeah. Which um, almost witnesses... Yeah, um, wit- witnesses the the ma- the formation of the trust. Yeah, the, they they essentially give the power or give the the asset to the trustee to then hold for the benefit of the beneficiaries. Exactly. Uh, t- traditionally, that's you know that's been somebody as Tim's kind of described the, the settler, probably the parents or something in, in that original situation. It could have been anyone. Yeah, know? yeah, true. Could have um, been a lawyer, could have been an accountant, could have been yeah. anyone. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. That, that essentially sets that trust up and defines the powers and, and then then they have nothing to do with it from then on. Yep, exactly. Uh, settle law is an important thing in the beginning. Yep. Without a settle law, can't have a trust. Yep. But after that... Never hear from him again. Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, um, the other one is the appointor. Yes. That's the person that appoints the trustee. Big role there. Very big role to play there. So who normally plays the appointor? Generally, it's the person who's in... Uh, if it's a small business, it's the person that's in control of the company as yeah. well. So yeah. you can have multiple appointors. Yep. They can actually change the trustee. Mm. So if there's a trustee there, they can be like, I don't like you anymore. Yeah. You're going to change it to Tim. Yeah. Because Tim's the best. And um, yeah, so uh, there is also the ex- successor appointer. Yes. When the it, appointer dies. And, <laughs> yeah, and the reason that's important yeah, is if, if the appointer dies, then who's going to nominate the trustee? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all going to die. So yeah. you need to have that. The trust is likely to outlast us. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, all good points. The, the last thing to talk about and just quickly keeping an eye on the time, uh, capital gains. Yeah, so um, this is one of the main advantages of a trust mm-hmm. as opposed to a company. Over a company, yeah. So a company doesn't get the capital gains tax general discount of 50%. Now, if you're talking like a million dollar capital gain when you sell your business, mm-hmm. that's a lot of money, Dan. It is, it is. It does get the small business ta- uh, concessions, but yes. it just doesn't get that general discount of 50%. 50%, that's it's, a it's huge, huge. huge difference. Yeah. Um, couple that with the ability... To then put that capital gain in whoever's name you want, yeah, your you discretionary trust, yep. um, then yeah, that's pretty powerful. It is very powerful. It is very powerful, and yeah, and it, that does become important if you do think you're going to be selling your business or selling some, you know, some assets that 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 then have capital gains on them. Uh, yeah, you do get that discount. It is just, yeah, it's just a much better situation to be in than if you sell your business from within a company. That's it. And that's why a unit trust could be better than a company. Mm. But that, again, you go into so much more detail, but like they have their own pros and cons too. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. the cons are 
obviously this is in which you might have been able to tell from our conversation it's just a much more complex entity than yeah. a company or a partnership or a it sole trade it's just it is a much more complex and there's there's, so, there's a lot of rules yep. uh, there's a lot of pitfalls that you could fall into so it's always advised that you get advice from an accountant us uh, <laughs> or somebody uh, who can then point you in the right direction and make sure that you're ticking all the boxes. Yeah, like I've even speaking of complexity, mm. um, even banks don't really understand what a trust is. No, we we get requests. You know, someone owns a trust and they're going for a loan or they're you know they're doing something through a bank. That even just setting up a bank account sometimes the oh. the, the bank managers get confused. Yeah, uh, it can be tough. Yeah, it's just, a lot of people get confused about uh, you know whose name goes on the bank. Well, yeah, statement. because it's the trustee as a trustee for. Yeah, the trust exactly. So it could be. It's very confusing. Uh, Dan Propriety Limited, the company, as trustee for two drunk accountants, trust yeah, exactly, and that just blows their mind. Yeah. So, so that that is weird. Um, yeah. I yeah. guess what we, what we, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it feels like that. It's been a big day. It's been a big day. So. I think that's probably a good place to wrap up our discussion on trust. If you have any more questions, if we buggered up any explanations, if we just didn't say what we wanted to say or what we thought we were saying, uh, contact us. Oh, one more thing I was going to say. No, sorry, Tim. We're out of time. Go on. Don't stop me. I'm in my, I'm in my jam. I'm in my groove. All right, go for it. Um, Division 7A is not a problem in trusts. Mm. But as we spoke about, what Division 7A is, is the loan that you owe the company because you've taken more cash than you've yeah. paid yourself in wages. That's, that's a little bit of a better But the, untitled, uh, sorry, the unpaid present entitlements, however, and loans to a company, a corporate entity in a trust, can encounter the same yeah. problems. So it's complex, yeah. perhaps a bit more flexible, like a sole trader or a partnership where yeah. you can just put money in and out um, quite flexibly. A lot, a lot more easily than a company. Cool, Dan. So I think we've fried our brains. We've fried mm. our listeners' brains. I'm thinking maybe we'll leave our other thing to next week. What do you think? Uh, don't know about that. All right. So my one other thing this week is Childish Gambino's new song, yeah. which I'm a big fan of, and the film clip, which is directed by... Uh, I've forgotten the guy's name, but he's directed a bunch of his music videos before. They've all been brilliant. And uh, he's directed a bunch of his TV show, Atlanta. He's directed a bunch of those yeah. episodes. He's Donald Glover, right? Donald Glover is Childish Gambino, but the director is somebody else. Uh, yeah, just a brilliant. The guy just has so much output. I don't know when he ever has time in the day to breathe. He's, he's, yeah. on, he's, he's about to be Han Solo in Solo. He's Amazing. Yeah, anyway, that's my one other thing this week. Enjoying he, that. He's an impressive dude. He is a very impressive dude. Yeah. So, uh, cool. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. That was a good one. Thank you. Mine is the Croft Hurdy podcast. Been binge listening to this. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> You're promoting other podcasts <laughs> on our. Po- Are we getting something for this? Are they? <laughs> is is James Hurd using his sweet steroid money to to give us some? Damn right, we're getting something from this, Dan. <laughs> James respect. Hurd. James Hurd makes the headlines. All right. I'd like to say that I've been giving James Hurd a lot of uh, crap this podcast. And it's not because I think he's a bad guy. It's just because I know it riles Tim up. You're, you're butchering my chances of getting St. James onto actually, our show. I actually think he's an all right fella. He is. I just think that you get stirred up when I tease him. So he's that's got why a, I did it. He's got a very important message to send to the public. 
Mm. Uh, he's been through some tough times to do with media, things out of his, a little bit out of his control mm. um, that have no Essendon. Mm. Um, Essendon. Es- not Essington, Dan. Uh, Essendon. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Just got to correct you with that one. So, yeah. He's a hero. He's a people's champ. And I'm loving his podcast. Wait. It's great. It's great to hear him in a positive mood. Hey. Just just, uh, just doing what he does, talking about footy, just loving life. The, the people's champ. Is he the Rocky Balboa of Essendon Football Club? Do you mean <laughs> the rock? <laughs> no, I mean Rocky Balboa. Isn't it Balboa? Balboa. Yeah, that's what I said. You said Balboa. Yeah, I was talking like Rocky. <laughs> Your your Adrian. your version of talking like Rocky is Rocky Balboa. Rocky, my name's Rocky Balboa. That's not a bad one. What about yeah. my impersonation? Uh, we, we did it, Adrian. We did it. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's not hard to get hit. Can it's I? Not hard to get hit. Get back up. All right, Dan. Can I end the show? Yeah, only if you end it without ending. Yes. I'm gonna end I'm gonna end it then. Calculator. <laughs> <laughs>